0: Number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved show
1: And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth Uh, a Great day for the Congress of the United States returning after a brief break he uh, that Congress of the United States is uh, concentrating on the real business of the Republic Chuck Schumer in a high-level meeting about the full national legalization uh, of marijuana as a recreational drug and the automatic and immediate expunging of anyone who has some kind of uh, legal record, criminal record, involving marijuana. Uh, Instant clearing off of any of those records. Is this a... uh, basically a substitute for the um, Biden's budget-busting Build Back Better bill, right? It uh, could be, at least strategically for Democrats. It comes across that at the same time. There's a really alarming new study about impairment by marijuana in driving. and uh, And, of course, I thought immediately about this horrible story about the uh, roadway incident in in Las Vegas where someone who appears to have been impaired in the middle of the afternoon uh, ran through a red light and killed nine people including himself. Uh, we'll get to all of that with a very special guest, Dr. Kevin Sabat who was highly recommended to our show, has been on our show several times before but we just had General McCaffrey on the show, Kevin, and uh, General McCaffrey, former oh drug czar, uh, uh, he's a four-star general, too. He uh, Well, he said the same thing about you. He said you were the best guy out there on this issue of marijuana. Uh, Kevin is an affiliate of the Institution for Social and Policy Studies and the Medical School. At Yale University, he has worked with three different White Houses, both Republican and Democratic, and uh, he is dubbed by NBC News as the prodigy of drug politics. So let's talk first about this uh, new drive by Chuck Schumer to uh, uh, try to get marijuana legalized somehow federal on a federal basis uh, before the midterm election. Uh, likely to succeed?
0: I don't think so. Uh, there's actually enough Democrats, and it's great to be on your show, Michael. I appreciate that. And let me just say that, you know, Barry McCaffrey should be a hero to, to all Americans of any political stride. High, high praise coming, coming from him. We, they, don't, they don't make him like General McCaffrey anymore. It's just it's just I
1: the wish they did.
0: Uh, me too. Me too. Uh, but listen, I look, there's, believe it or not, about half a dozen or more Democrats, centrist Democrats, sensible Democrats that don't agree with legalization. They may not you know, be parading that out in public, but, but we know that's a fact. So Schumer doesn't even have his own caucus on board. And I don't even know if he really understands the issue, to be honest. I think he's been kind of convinced of some shoddy polling from... Uh, staff, to be honest, is thinking this is a big win politically to send off a primary challenge from a progressive like an AOC. I really think this is all politics. Um, you know, he, th- this goes against every single medical association's advice uh, who say, please don't federally legalize marijuana. Uh, today's marijuana is not your Woodstock weed. It's highly dangerous for a lot of people. And the last thing we need to do is make it even more available than it already is.
1: Okay. There also was uh, earlier. I was next last week. Actually, they had uh, the announcement about all the taxes that were being collected by states because yeah. of the sale of marijuana. My, my answer to that was: I remember when arguing about legalization, the people who were p- promoting it said, right. "No, no, this won't increase any marijuana usage. <laughs> How could all of a sudden having." <laughs> advertisements and I know they don't have billboards but they have uh, advertising oh, they do. They into...
0: have billboards they actually oh, they... have billboards in many states believe it or not they do tobacco's outlawed billboards but you can have pot billboards in half in about a dozen states
1: so great and and, that, and what what about what about the this new study which uh, yeah uh, from and the, what just appeared in JAMA Psycho- Psychiatry the, it's the Journal of the right. American Medical Association uh, indicating that a uh, smoking weed can impair your yeah. driving for four and a half hours right well thought. and
0: it can impair it even and that was on average it actually impaired even many people even longer than that way after they even felt high so a lot of the drivers in this study and by the way there have been other studies that so this is just confirming this isn't like brand new um, but this is confirming what we already sort of knew, which is that even when you don't feel uh, high anymore if you have used in the last 24 hours there's a good chance you're driving impaired and there's uh, you know the studies back from the 80s when we looked at pilots and they gave pilots THC on a flight simulator which is the active ingredient in marijuana they gave them THC they, they didn't fly well then they came back 24 hours later um, thinking that they did a great job but uh, you know it's sort of round two And in reality they did just as bad so um, this is a huge issue it's you know you rightfully bring up the the horrible tragedy um, that we had in in Vegas but there there are hundreds of those every year that don't even make a lot of headlines and it's a very very big deal that we need to take a look
1: at and we've had 30 years of every year reduced highway fatalities it's gone up sharply the last couple of years And in spite of the pandemic and people driving much less, so could the increased marijuana use be contributing?
0: I think it's part of it because you see in the states that have liberalized, which are a lot of states now, you see increases. And by the way, you see this in Canada too. There's a recent study in 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 BC. There's been studies. So this isn't just in the United States uh, where we're seeing increases because the drug is legal. And it really goes to the cost. Of legalization, which we never really hear about, because we just hear about tax revenue. Oh, like you said, oh, it brought in all the tax revenue. Well, that's not really a fiscally responsible way to look at a policy, because you need to also look at the costs. And there are costs when they're driving, uh, you know, these crashes. There are costs with the um, probably 550,000 hospital admissions every year from acute THC poisoning. People basically not even knowing that they're taking marijuana and it's laced in something and they have a what's essentially a psychotic episode half a million hospital admissions we have all of these costs dropouts, school dropouts Um, so there's just cost after cost that a lot of these states they want to gloss over in their kind of embrace of of marijuana Uh,
1: let me go way out on a limb here Uh, one of the things that's a riddle that uh, a lot of public policy planners don't want to even encounter is why would it be that we have a labor shortage, we have people who are dropping out of the workforce, even though wages are higher and have been going up and there have been less people even applying for unemployment benefits. With all of that, why is there a labor shortage? Could part of that be some of the impact of, uh, yeah. of people with very generous use of marijuana?
0: I think so. Uh, I definitely think that's part of it. And and I'm really disheartened by companies like Amazon that essentially are advertising to marijuana users and saying, hey, no one will hire you, but we will. Come work for us. Uh, They're taking a huge gamble on workplace safety, productivity, on liability. It's really a bad move. And I, I even, you know, I was at a meeting. I actually was able to talk with Jeff Bezos about this. And I said, well, you know are you at least studying the impact of embracing all of these you know heavy pot users on the work workforce and he essentially said you know that's a good idea i hadn't thought of that which i was astonished at because <laughs> this is going to have huge costs but it's just not registering people just see money they want to be kind of hip they think it's no big deal and um, they, they really don't understand the science and by the way amazon is now one of the biggest proponents of legalization they're throwing their lobbying hefts and we all know why it's because of the almighty dollar these major huge companies um, big tobacco big tech they want in on pot and they want to make a lot of money and you know it has nothing to do with social justice it has to do with these companies profiting
1: Uh, you can read all about it Uh, Kevin Sabbath's book is a very important it's called smokescreen what the marijuana industry doesn't want you to know Post it up at michaelmedved.com. Godspeed to Kevin, my friend, and we will be right back on The Medved Show.
2: Kudos for having the best show on radio. The Michael Medved Show.
0: Michael Medved. I'm listening to everything you say.
1: And on The Michael Medved Show, talking uh, about a a new drive uh, by Democrats to change the subject. And uh, particularly coming out of a pandemic with uh, all of the – and I do hope we come out of it. I do hope that the American people get their wish in that Monmouth poll that we discussed before that, uh, yes, we can – all learn to live with uh, the existence of COVID-19, but not in a pandemic status, and um, and then go on with our lives. Everybody wants that, but the idea of making it possible also requires some continued attention to some medical realities. Uh, meanwhile, let us go to uh, Steve in Seattle. You're on the Michael Medved show.
2: Yeah. Hey, Michael. How are you doing today? i'm doing well good yeah i was just calling in um about i guess they're trying to they're looking at a bill for uh legalizing marijuana throughout the country and um you had mentioned i guess i didn't read about it but there was an accident down in las vegas that killed eight or nine people
1: nine yeah
2: Yeah, and apparently the, the guy was high and high or whatever
1: they don't know that they hadn't tested his body if they didn't know if uh, he was impaired but he had blown right through a red light to fatal impact in the middle yeah. of the day. well
2: I've been pretty much a chronic smoker since I was uh, 14 15 years old but I have quit from time to time for you know long periods like 10 12 years however I do recall um smoking on the way to work one day and uh i went through a red light without realizing it i didn't realize it until after i had gone through it and i was very lucky was down in orlando florida i was just on the east side of town so it's not a real busy highway but uh to my left would have i was on the main highway and to my left was a, a an exit lane for a public's grocery store and to my right was a community center a county community center it was probably mid-afternoon so there wasn't a whole lot of traffic um in fact I, i don't think there was any traffic at that intersection at the time and uh but it scared the scared the heck out of me um because it could have been a very bad accident had some, you know, had some, some other vehicles been trying to make a turn onto the highway. Um, you know, the previous caller had mentioned something about the, the grade, that the quality of the pot that they're growing nowadays. And, you know, I started smoking, gosh, 50 years ago now. And, yeah, the quality today is nothing like what it was. It is so much stronger today.
1: Um I I imagine that's that's because that's what people are looking for in the market is that part of what's uh, going on
3: of course of course yeah
1: and the fact that there there is a market and that uh, again the message about marijuana about people actually can become addicted And, uh, by the way, I congratulate you on thank you for the call and for the perspective and for recognizing that, no, this is not just a um, a fun-loving private habit. It can have a very real impact on society and social problems, including traffic safety. Uh, Steve, I I very much appreciate uh, your call. There's another habit and it's a habit that has for some reason just seems to explode in America recently the um, over the weekend there were Nazi rallies in uh, a number of different places they didn't get huge turnouts but uh, when they promote a rally in uh, Orlando Florida as they did uh, with uh, uh, slogans kill the Jews and then they uh, they kidnap your children and suck their blood, and uh, and the the, uh, the rally and various other demonstrations that were launched by neo-Nazi groups. Uh, there's one called the National Socialist Movement (NSM), which is a Nazi group, obviously appealing to people on the left, but the the explosion if anybody knows or has an idea why all of a sudden uh, this is a thing again and you have a, a there's quite a bit of publicity for the synagogue hostage taking uh, that was not this past Saturday it was uh, 10 days ago but uh, it's a it's a remarkable moment when you have that breaking out everywhere and we're in Uh, On Friday, this last Friday, there were swastikas that were uh, drawn all over Union Station in Washington, D.C., which is when you take the railroad – and by the way, that's one of the very few places places people do take the railroad is you can take the Acela Corridor, they call it. If you're going up to Washington, D.C., from uh, going down to Washington, D.C., from Philadelphia or New York or Boston, you can take the train. You get off at reunion Station and the first thing you see or saw until they've had, they actually took some paper and taped it on the side of the building before they can professionally clean the antique marble of Union Station which is a beautiful and beautifully restored building swastikas and uh, the guy they arrested is 34 years old they describe him as a houseless individual who may have mental health issues but uh, this is what mental health issues turn to. There's another story like that which is just heartbreaking, and it involves somebody who's been a little bit in people's minds, I think, because of the uh, recent uh, induction into by, of David Ortiz in the Baseball Hall of Fame and the debates on who's going to be the Baseball Hall of Fame. Somebody who went into the baseball Hall of Fame as early as he could is Jackie Robinson and the state of Georgia had found where he was born he, he grew up in LA Jackie Robinson but his he was born in a small home his dad was a sharecropper his dad left the family when he was young and Jackie went on to great success he was a an officer in the army and uh, during the war and so they, um, they're establishing a series of monuments and markers for Georgia history. And Jackie Robinson's, the little shack-like house in which he was born, is literally in the midst of the piney woods. And uh, they, they put up a beautiful new marker there, and they have a fence protecting the chimney of the house, which is the only thing that's left at the Jackie Robinson birthplace. Okay, here's what I'm getting to. Is it was uh, vandalized and people put white supremacist Jackie Robinson's birthplace. If you think what well, this good man meant to so many people as a beloved baseball star and broke the color barrier. And today, all these years later, someone wants to uh, trash his birthplace, and uh, it had bullet holes shot into it. Uh, it's an amazing thing. We can do better. On The Michael Medved Show, uh, one of the uh, uh, things that's fascinating is to look back at uh, some of the past eloquence of Kamala Harris, our inspiring vice president. And uh, again, she seems to diminish in stature literally every day. And uh, she did not begin her vice presidency as a beloved figure. But uh, I think it's worth recalling a bid for popularity in the middle of her campaign. This is just a few months before being elected vice president. And after she had been nominated for vice president, uh, she had this to say in a solemn pledge to the American people. This is clip 16.
2: Under a Biden-Harris administration, we will decriminalize the use of marijuana and automatically expunge all marijuana use convictions and end incarceration for drug use alone. So this is no time, from I think our collective perspective, this is no time for half-stepping. This is no time for incrementalism. We need to deal with the system, and there needs to be significant change in the design of the system.
1: Okay, no no time for half-steppin'. No time for incrementalism, really. And on something that really does impact neighborhoods, communities, cities, families, the way people live their lives. Uh, and again, I think they're finding a lot more time for incrementalism because so many of their goals have been too grandiose and too sweeping. And this is part of what is wrong with the so-called progressive mentality, is the idea that you not only want to do things, you want to do them in a comprehensive, sweeping, uh, totally just knock all the chess pieces off the board, just move ahead, and again, rather than taking a look at things that actually can work, which is what uh, less progressive-minded but more effective uh, liberals, even, would would prefer. I mean, how foolishness this is. What foolishness this is. Now, this will not be an issue for the Supreme Court. I mean, the changes on marijuana laws, these are being made, and they're being made every year, all the time, on the statewide level, and it's for statewide legislatures to deal with. And By the way, it's one of the reasons you, you will have much more sanity on this issue on republicans to elect to the state legislature when you I basically are trying to uh, select a justice for the Supreme Court that's uh, that's a different matter and one of the things about it is the it 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 used to be and I was again taking a look at this in the history it it used to be so rare that you would have a hotly contested nomination where a confirmation would you'd have to really struggle with. Now of course every confirmation you have to struggle with, though there is an indication from Lindsey Graham that he may be one of those uh, Republicans who comes over and does what I think is the smart and the right thing in this situation. The Democrats can confirm uh, President Biden's nomination on their own. They don't need a single Republican vote. If uh, they stay solid and there is every indication they will, it is hard to imagine that any Democrat will vote against his or her own president on the selection of the first black woman ever to go on the court. It's not going to happen. But is it a good thing? Does it uh, work for America for it to look like the Republicans are just reflexively, unthoughtfully opposed to all of this? I think that what Lindsey Graham had to say about uh, a judge he knows very well from South Carolina, J. Michelle Childs, who is, seems to be, I mean, there are other Republicans who have nice things to say about her. And if Lindsey Graham, who has been a leader of the Judiciary Committee for a long time, if he actually comes through and gives her the kind of enthusiastic endorsement support that he seemed to do over TV over the weekend, well, that means that maybe this won't be such a bitter confirmation fight after all. Here's uh, Lindsey Graham on Face the Nation. Clip 10.
3: Put me in the camp of making sure the court and other institutions look like America. Michelle uh, Childs is incredibly qualified. There's no affirmative action component if you pick her. She is highly qualified.
1: Okay, that is, um, he also said she's one of the most uh, decent human beings he's ever met, which is a wonderful thing to say. And and he, he went on about it. Uh, Ted Cruz seemed to take a different attitude, uh, criticizing the whole notion of saying in advance that you were going to select a black female. Here's Ted Cruz uh, giving his point of view. Clip 20.
3: Biden, the the, the fact that he's willing to make a promise at the outset that it must be a black woman, i got to say that's offensive. Right you know, you know right. black women are what six percent of the US population <laughs> he's saying to 94 percent of Americans I don't give a damn about you you are ineligible and he's also saying it's actually an insult to black women if, if he came and said I'm gonna put the best jurist on the court and and he looked at a number of people and he ended up nominating a black woman he, he could credibly say okay I'm nominating the person who's most qualified he's not right. even pretending to say that he, he's saying if you're a white guy tough luck you're a white woman tough luck you don't qualify if you're Merrick Garland all right how much does it suck to be (laughs) Merrick Garland he's literally got to sit here and be told at the outset he is ineligible you're out uh, because sorry wrong skin pigment and 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 wrong uh, wrong Y chromosome it is an example how Democrats and particularly the far left everything is race everything is that they will discriminate based on race. They will pigeonhole you. They don't care about the independent, uh, the, the individual.
1: Okay. This is, is, I think, fairly outrageous. Because to say that, uh, that he is going to select a black justice, a black female justice, does not say to 94% of Americans, I don't give a damn about you. I mean, did it say that to 49% of Americans when President Reagan, uh, many, many years ago, actually, before he was elected president, back in 1980 when he was running for president, uh, made a pledge that he was going to nominate a woman? And he did. Did that say to the 48% Americans, I don't give a damn about you, that it's terribly unfair how terrible it must be? He actually made a fine appointment, too, of Sandra Day O'Connor, who was a distinguished justice. And even though she had a very thin resume, certainly compared to some of these women on Biden's shortlist, this was President Reagan in October of 1980 making that pledge. This is clip nine.
3: Reagan took a dramatic step today to reach out for female support. Now, I'm
0: announcing today that one of the first Supreme Court vacancies in my administration will be filled by the most qualified woman I can possibly find, one who meets the high standards
3: I will demand for all court appointments. It's time for a woman to sit among our highest jurists. Reagan acknowledged that his opposition to the Equal Rights Amendment has hurt him with some women, but said today's announcement shows his commitment to equal opportunity.
1: Okay. That was Ronald Reagan... And uh, I don't think anyone even on the other side attempted to say that he was saying to uh, the 49% of America that's male, I don't give a damn about you. A couple of other things about uh, J. uh, Michelle Childs, who uh, Lindsey Graham all but endorsed on Face the Nation, and uh, also about Merrick Garland who uh, Ted Cruz was talking about, (laughs) the attorney general. We'll be right back on The Medved Show. There's controversy about everything in this country. I mean... (laughs) You don't have to look far to find any kind of controversy you want. Um, There's a controversy about emojis that were currently being uh, offered. And it took me a while to figure it out because they have emojis and they have a bunch of smiling people together. And, yes, they're male and female. And uh, there's a sort of a large tummy on some of these emoji figures and uh, the one you can obviously figure out the woman is pregnant and they also have one where a smiling man is pregnant looks exactly the same and um, I guess they have to do that because there's so many pregnant men out there who um, I'm it, honestly is is this a healthy thing to <laughs> communicate do we have a, a collection of of people who honestly are limited in their comprehension of the facts of life. I mean, the kind of facts of life that you usually learn about not not in sex education class in high school, but you usually learn about b- kindergarten. Uh, they, you know, I, oh, there's a baby in mommy's tummy. No, babies don't appear in daddy's tummy. It doesn't happen and yes there may be somebody who used to be capable of being a mommy but is no longer capable because she's now wants to be a daddy fine but the idea of dissociating pregnancy from the essence of of womanhood oh no i'll get in trouble for that i don't want <laughs> But pregnancy is and the ability to uh to, to have children and to bear children is um I, I think people would say traditionally uh part of what we understand to be uh, a province of of women uh and the idea that they find it necessary for an emoji to be provided for all the pregnant men out there yeah it sounds pretty silly it sounds pretty silly. But uh, I I thought it was very important about um, what Lindsey Graham said. And I've gotta say, I agree with him. And I I think that Lindsey Graham has made the decision. And first of all, the, the people who have appeared on Biden's short list, which isn't so short anymore, there are about 20 names that have been floated. But every single one of those names is uh, somebody who's met with outstanding success in our legal system and outstanding success academically and there are reasons by the way that uh, academic credentials should not count that much for most jobs really for most jobs if you can be a terrific corporate executive being a college dropout it can happen Uh, you can't be a good Supreme Court justice uh, sorry, you just can't. And the reason why is the way that this job has evolved. In the early days of the Supreme Court, when you had Chief Justice John Marshall and uh, uh, before Abraham Lincoln, the members of the Supreme Court did what they called road circuit. We didn't have enough judges then. So people on the Supreme Court, including Justice Marshall, would actually travel around the country and in different parts of the country when they weren't in session and presiding over lower court trials and uh, today that's not what the job is today the job is close to being a college professor and much closer to being a college professor than being a corporate CEO or a governor or a legislator and it it is <laughs> It's one of the reasons that uh, people, when they're trying to evaluate somebody for the court, because what you do in the court is you argue, uh, you lecture each other, and they, they do, uh, and then you write. And you try to write based on an analysis of uh, the Constitution and the, the text, uh, t- statutory text of the laws and precedent. And basically what you're learning in law in law school is legal precedent and it's one of the reasons that it's not some kind of prejudice or nefarious web of interconnected skull and bones members or anything like that why is it that so many of the candidates for the court and all of the justices eight of the nine justices right now have degrees from either Yale or Harvard Law School one of the two and It's because at that point, most people start law school, they're 21 years old, 22 years old. You're in that range. You have already demonstrated your sort of aptitude and inclination in that regard. And, uh, And people who are going to be at the top of their classes academically and to go to the top law schools will probably fare best on the Supreme Court. Now, I mention that because one of the arguments is being put forward for Michelle Childs, who Lindsey Graham just uh, endorsed, where he he said, um, put me in the camp of thinking, sure, the court and other institutions look like America. And he said affirmative action in picking somebody not as well qualified for past, not as well qualified in order to make up for past wrongs. Michelle Childs is incredibly qualified. There's no affirmative action component. She went to a fine law school. She went to Duke. She has a degree from Duke and University of South Carolina law schools. If you pick her, she's highly qualified. We've only had five women serve and two African-American men on the Supreme Court. So let's make the court more like America. And in terms of a period of time when there are so many people who feel on the left and on the right that uh, they have less faith, reduced faith in the United States legal system. Uh, I I think that there's a possibility at least that one of these very impressive women who have been listed as uh, under consideration could, could boost some of that confidence a little bit, and maybe help. The rest of the country achieves some of the collegiality that the Supreme Court at its best is known for. Uh, What about collegiality in a uh, movie which is trying to uh, complete, I hope, uh, a series? This would be the sixth Ice Age movie. You remember the others? Starts with a little squirrel uh, trying to get a nut. Not in this film. This is the uh, Ice Age number six. It's Buck Wild. The Adventures of Buck Wild. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. After 20 years and five previous Ice Age films in the franchise, there's a new installment in which the intrepid one eyed weasel Buck Wild, voiced by Simon Pegg, takes on an assignment to save the menaced dinosaurs of the Lost World in The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild, now streaming on Disney Plus.
3: Crashing, Eddie. We're back to the Lost World. Buck Wild at your service.
1: Some of the characters are familiar here and the plot cries for its tender moments with possum brothers Crash and Eddie leaving the comforting home of their mastodon-led family to confront a monstrous new brainiac villain resembling no known creature or species in the history of natural or unnatural development. The animation is intricate and detailed but also garish and grotesque with little ability to impress either the eyes or the heart. Rated PG for lots of cartoon violence, two stars for the Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. yeah, you can say that this Ice Age is going to be freezing out uh, a lot of uh, potential joy from the audiences. It's a disappointment. Some of the previous films have been pretty good with, by the way, different voice talent that uh, said, not this time. Uh, Ray Romano is a a voice that people uh, could recognize, and they have a Ray Romano imitator voicing Mastodon in this film. Anyway, tomorrow, uh, we're going to be confronting polls that say that one out of four Americans, of everybody, say that violence against the government is sometimes not only okay, it's sometimes necessary. Really? And there's evidence now that the big, much heralded police reform in Washington state has backfired on people in crisis how why we will get to that and we'll also be speaking to the author of a gigantic New York Times bestseller he's a pandemic expert named John M Barry he wrote the book about how the great influenza and the 1918 pandemic flu pandemic Spanish flu how it ended how they finally put the thing to bed And how can we apply some of those lessons to our situation with COVID-19? That and the latest on uh, is Trump right that the vice president really could have overturned the vote if he wanted to. We'll talk about that and more.